I am Major General Greg Martin, U.S. Army, retired. What inspired you to join the Army? Well, I had a, a family that had a lot of military background, my dad, my uncles. And so I always thought I would want to join the military at some point. And when it was time to figure out what college to go to, um, I discovered this service academies and the service academies are wonderful schools. They they're top notch colleges and you're simultaneously in the military. And then you owe five years active duty when you graduate. So I looked at that and said, man, this is the best, you know, education I can get for the buck. Plus I'll get to be in the army, something I always wanted to do. And so I just went for it. Can you tell me a little bit about your own uh, mental health journey? Sure. Uh, you know, from teenage years on, all the way into my 40s and 50s, I was extremely successful. Um, accomplished, you know, in high school, I was, you know, the, the top student athlete leader. West Point, I was really very high in the class. Graduated from Army Ranger School. Um, went out in the Army and did, you know, great things and was highly rated got picked for, you know, promotion after promotion, big job after big job. Um, and along the way, I had incredible energy. I ran seven marathons under three hours, um, you know, skied. Like We'd leave on a Friday night and drive from Germany to Austria, ski all weekend, drive back just in time for PT on Monday morning. Um, the Army sent me to graduate school and they gave me the, they said, your mission is to get one master's degree. So I got two masters and a PhD. And the reason I'm telling you this is not to brag, but I had extraordinary energy, drive, enthusiasm, problem solving skills, creativity, optimism. And so what that reflected, I've only found out in recent years, was what they call a hyperthymic personality, which is living in a state of near continual mild mania. So living on the bipolar spectrum with my bipolar brain, even though I hadn't had onset of bipolar yet, that wouldn't happen until 47. It gave me this big advantage. Um, but if you think about bipolar disorder, as there's a theory that said it's like a, a kindling effect, like when you build a fire, you do little twigs, medium twigs, bigger twigs little sticks, medium sticks, bigger, and then logs, et cetera, et cetera. And so every experience or episode you have with either, um, you know, some kind of mania or some kind of depression or some kind of psychosis, it all builds up. And so you go up, up, up the spectrum. And so by the time I was in my 40s, I was really very close to, to having actual bipolar disorder. Um, and, you know, the reason that I had all that extra energy is because, you know, my bipolar brain decided on its own that it wanted to go higher. And so it produced and distributed more of the dopamine, endorphins and other key chemicals. And when it decided it didn't want to be high anymore, it, it wanted to go lower, it would um it would regulate by producing less of those key chemicals. And so, you know, the bipolar effect was already in my brain. But then at the age of 47, I was a brigade commander in charge of thousands of troops in the Iraq war. And the pressure, stress, 
euphoria, thrill of leading troops in combat elevated me into mania. And um, but I didn't know it because I felt like Superman. I, I really did. And my performance just got boosted even more with problem solving skills, you know, solving dozens of unanticipated uh, problems before other people even knew there was a problem. I'd already have it solved. Uh, moving around the battlefield, you know, fearlessly with, you know, literally no fear um, and, and, and so forth. Um, and that's really sustained me during my year of combat in Iraq. But when we got home to Germany, I plunged into depression for about 10 months. Um, and then I thought there was something wrong with me with the depression, but the doctors told me I was fine. And the same thing happened a couple more times over the ensuing years where I was in depression after mania and I went into the doctors and they said nothing wrong. But, you know, my bipolar disorder was unknown by anybody, undetected, unrecognized and undiagnosed. But what happened from 2003 to 2014, my manic highs kept getting higher and higher. My depressive lows got lower and lower until finally and, and think about kindling. Now we're putting bigger logs on the fire. My bipolar disorder is going up, up, up until by 2014, I went into full blown mania, which essentially, you know, my bipolar disorder turned into a raging bonfire. So with your book, uh, congrats, by the way, uh, how did it feel writing the book? How did it help your own healing process? It was very cathartic and therapeutic. It, uh, I mean, there were periods where, um, you know, describing the mania, the intense mania and depression, that it was, you know, sort of bad memories, a little bit painful. But by and large, I would say, you know, 95%, it felt really good. I felt like I was doing something important in it. I think it was a form of therapy. I know for me, I live with a bipolar disorder too. And when I was diagnosed about four years ago, there wasn't any videos or anything of people living with bipolar and succeeding. And with you writing this book out there, you're going to help a lot of people. How does that feel? Feels great because, you know, when I, when I began my journey of recovery seven years ago, you know, just back it up a little. So I went into full-blown mania. And I was so out of control, over the top, grandiose, religiosity, flights of ideas, talking endlessly, reckless behavior, et cetera. Um, people complained up the chain of command to my boss, who then called me in. It was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, called me in and he said, Greg, I love you like a brother. You've done an incredible job. I give you a grade of A plus, but your time at National Defense University is over. You have until 5 p.m. today to resign or you're fired. And I'm ordering you to get a mental health exam. Well, he actually did me a huge favor. I mean, I could have had the stress I was under. I could have had a heart attack, a stroke, a complete emotional breakdown. And so after that, I went into depression for about two years where I had hopeless depression, crippling psychosis. That lasted about two years. I was you know, I was basically fired from my job, forced to retire, hospitalized. And about seven years ago, I got prescribed lithium. And within, after two years of this depression and psychosis, within three days, they lifted. And I, and I haven't really looked back since and began my journey of recovery. 
And um, a couple, about three years ago, I found my life purpose and mission, which is sharing my bipolar story to help stop the stigma, promote recovery and save lives. So that's what I do every single day. I speak, and this is part of my mission, being on with you. I write and I confer with people who want to talk about bipolar disorder. And it's very satisfying because it's it's serving and helping people and it's elevating a cause bigger than myself. Yeah, how are you feeling? Good. Um, so for seven years, um, I have had no mania, no depression. I have had some blips into hypomania, which is low level of mania. Um, and I have had some agitation, anger at various people and situations. And uh, I've had some I've had some PTSD, uh, not not too much. It wasn't super serious, but I did have have that. And I and I have I've had some anxiety attacks. But other than that, I'm doing really well. What are some of the things that motivate you? Well, I my drive is I want to be healthy so that my wife and family and friends get the benefit of a healthy Greg Martin who has his life together, has his act together. That's a super motivator. The second big super motivator is I never want to, although much of my mania was pleasant and enjoyable and happy, much of it was, because it's like being high on the most powerful drugs in the world. But some of it was really frightening and it was, I was very angry and I was full of rage and agitation. And then the depression was just horrible. I mean, it's the worst thing I've ever gone through. The psychosis was horrible, frightening, terrifying. And so I never want to go into that state again. And the way I'll never go into it again is by keep, keeping myself healthy. And then the final thing about what motivates me is I was given, you know, this terrible, unique experience of, you know, living with acute bipolar disorder, you know, really serious mental illness. And, uh, and so I want to share it with the world because not, not that many people go through what I went through and kind of come out of it and like to do public speaking and who like to write. And so I figured, man, this is a perfect mission for me. And so I'm super motivated and it's what I do every day. I know for me, uh, a lot of people talk to me how I'm doing and all that, but I think a big factor is my wife and kids because they're going through the same thing. What do you do to make sure your family's doing okay? Um, great question. Uh, well, two of my sons actually live with bipolar disorder, and so that's been a tough journey on them. And then my wife is both the mother and the wife of people with bipolar disorder. So, I mean, I try to you know be a good person listen, spend time with them, have conversations. And both my sons and my wife are very good battle buddies for me. They, you know, they know me well, they understand me well, they recognize the symptoms of bipolar disorder, and they can help, you know, keep me in check by saying, hey, it seems like you're starting to get a little bit too wound up with your bipolar mission. Maybe you should back it off a little, give a few less, you know, talks, 
um, or you really got angry about the situation, it's that's dangerous because anger can lead to bad things and ultimately a relapse. So they keep an eye on me and then I keep an eye on them. And, uh, I, you know, like I said, just trying to be a good person, be helpful, listen to them, be sensitive to their needs and desires. I know since the book came out, you've been, you know, in, on podcasts, videos and what have you. What has the feedback uh, mean to you? Well, it's very gratifying. It's encouraging. It's humbling um, to have literally, you know, thousands and thousands of people following me and, you know, listening to podcasts, reading my posts on LinkedIn and Facebook and uh, Twitter. And I mean, it's, it's really encouraging because I'm doing this bipolar mission to help people and it's getting a tremendous response. Um, as far as the book goes, you know, apparently the book sales are really brisk. I mean, they're, the, the book is moving and, you know, a bunch of uh, companies are selling it. It's doing well. All the feedback that I've gotten has been, you know, super positive. People rate it you know, like as an A plus um, or an A, I've had a number of people tell me that it's the best book they've ever read on any kind of mental illness and on bipolar disorder. And on the Amazon site, um, they've already flagged it with bestseller status. Wow. Uh, so it, it, it has to be moving fast. And then um, it's they rated it a couple of days ago. It was number four on the all-time list of books dealing with bipolar disorder. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm really psyched up because I think it's going to help a lot of people. And that's really what my motivation is. Yeah, it's definitely going to help a lot of people. Just being open with it, you know, helps me big time. <laughs> Good. That's, I'm glad. I'm happy for you. So where do you want to see your mission, say, in the next three to five years? Well, you know, I spent the last three years working really hard on this mission. I wrote the manuscript to the book, but then, of course, yeah, it took a year. But then it took a year to find a publisher, and then it took a year for the publisher to actually get the book out. So what I found myself doing during those those sort of those lull times in the process on the book is I started writing articles and short articles, anywhere from, you know, 700 words to 2000 words. But the articles were incredibly well read. I mean, they were in, you know, Psychology Today, Psychiatric Times, the Boston Globe, military journals and so forth. I mean, so about 25 articles published and, you know, widely read, you know, people started getting a hold of me and asking me to speak at their events do podcasts and, and so forth. Um, that's so it started like a, a, a snowball and then it started to turn into an avalanche. And that was before the book came out. So, you know, in all of those articles and podcasts are on my website, which just for the crowd, for the listeners, it's www.bipolargeneral.com. You can find the articles and everything. You, the book is on the landing page. You can order a book from that site um but it's been now since the book came out two weeks ago oh my goodness i'm so busy i've getting so many requests to speak and interview and do podcasts it's, it's really unbelievable 
but I love it because it's what I signed up to do. And so where will it be in three to six years? Well, I think this year is going to be very, very intense because the book's pretty new. Then the word is going to ripple out and more and more people are going to hear about it and be interested. And I think that's going to go on for two to three years. So I'm probably not going to be writing too many articles. I think I'm going to be really speaking about the book and the story and doing podcasts and visits. Um, You know, the thing that's really interesting is, um, you know, we have a huge country and it's a huge world. Um, And the military obviously is very interested in the book. The veterans community, very interested. But one of the things that's amazing to me is the professional medical community is probably more interested than anybody. And so, I mean, I've been getting invitations to speak and do podcasts and do what they call grand rounds at you know numerous hospitals and medical schools. I've got um, medical school professors, psychiatrists who want to partner with me. Um, they call somebody like me uh, an expert with lived experience in, in what that's what you would have. And so the medical community more and more is embracing people outside the medical community who have the advantage of all this lived experience. So just as an example, wonderful professor uh, who I connected with, intersected with at a big conference, the World Global uh, Bipolar Conference. Uh, she's at the University of Illinois in Chicago. And so she got a hold of me. She read the book, said the book is the best book she's ever read on mental illness. Her name is uh, Alex Liao, Professor Liao. And um, then she uh, got me all connected to do a podcast at the University of Illinois. Then we're going to do another one where she and I will be on together at the University of Illinois. She's using portions of the book teaching her medical school classes she had me give a, uh, I was a visiting lecturer and gave a lecture to her med school students. I'm going to give another lecture to her students in a couple of weeks. Um, and then I'm going to come and do grand rounds at their med school in the spring. But I, I only share that. I mean, Professor Liao is a dynamo. I mean, she is amazing. But there's many other professors who are also just as intensely interested in the story and they want to bring me into their, they collaborate with me on these things. So that's really good. And then the other crowd of people are people who have uh, mental illness and then just the general global population, because everybody is touched by mental illness. They either, they're either afflicted by it, which is about 20% or they're affected by it, which is about 80%. So virtually a hundred percent of the world is touched somehow by mental illness. So the book is for everybody. 